from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G. Scott and Ursula Voitine. Angela Poe Russell is back again. It is Thursday here on the G and Ursula Show. Angela, I think you just love coming. Yeah, you know, you've knocked me down this week, but I am not out. <laughs> good morning to you. Good, good morning. to see you. Jeff, good morning, bro. Good morning. Good I thought it was the recycling, Angela. <laughs> Brother Nick, good morning What's to up, you. What's up, man? Good morning. Hey, we got a show today that's going to be happening. As, as you know that, you're going to be listening. Uh, coming up at 10 a.m. It's story time with Super Bowl champion Jermaine Curse is going to join the show. Of course, we'll ask him his thoughts about Pete Carroll, his greatest memory, and discussions and learning education from Pete Carroll, all that good stuff that happens at 10 at 1130 today. Brandon Meebane will join the show. We'll hear from him. So much more going on. But right now, let's get to it. Top stories of the day brought to you by Scar 40, Susu and Auburn. A lot of people still coming to terms with the end of an era. The Seahawks announcing yesterday that Pete Carroll is out as head coach. It's a position, apparently we're learning, he fought behind the scenes to keep. At a news conference yesterday, he thanked his players, past and present. This league is about the players. And without those guys doing what they do, there's nothing. It isn't about the ownership. It's not about the coaching. It's not about the color of the uniforms or the, going to the stadium. It's about those guys doing what they do and putting their, their body on the line so regularly. And it's not just a, a statement. It's, it's real. Seahawks chair Jody Allen says Carroll's role will evolve from head coach to team advisor. So a lot of us are wondering, what does that mean? And it sounds like it's... Kind of still unclear. Uh, we're we're going to figure that out. We don't really know right now. Um, but um, I'm grateful for the, the intention that, you know, that the organization has, you know, to try to find something uh, that, that makes sense. All right. So you've heard the official statements. G, why don't you give us a little unofficial or at least your sense of that? Yeah. Well, he said he appreciates the intention. Yeah. That, right. That, that kind of stood out to me. Uh, yesterday felt like a breakup, mm. right? And you all heard our natural reactions to it. You heard it in real time as our news director walked in and broke the news as I was on air. I couldn't get my thoughts together because I was really seriously in shock. And if you've ever been in shock, you know exactly how that is. And then after you wake up the next day, after you've gone to sleep, the first thing you think, oh, it wasn't a dream. So, and here we are today moving forward. Um, I think that this, uh, after sleeping on it last night, I think that this is bigger than we, I think every day that we get further away from what happened yesterday, we're going to realize more and more how big that decision was, number one, and how big the shoes will be to fill in this role, right? So you're talking about 14 seasons. You're talking about uh, little Johnny was six years old when Pete showed up. Little Johnny is now 20. Uh, Little Sarah was 10 years old when Pete showed up. Sarah has a a family right now and is 24 years old. Um, These will be big shoes to fill because there is an expectation of Seahawks football. The Seahawks didn't make the playoffs this year. As Seahawks fans, felt like the end of the world. right? And this is a place that is used to winning. It's been winning the last you know, 14 seasons has gone to the playoffs. I believe 10 playoff appearances in 14 seasons. We got a little spoiled. Yes, I we mean, did. When there were times when we didn't go to the playoffs, like, wait, what? Yeah. What? What yeah. do you mean? Mm-hmm. 
I mean, we got we got in the habit of being a winning team. So here's my last takeaway. Uh, I've talked to a lot of former players yesterday. The part that really stands out right now is this. For many years, we have seen former players never say anything negative about what they've seen. So, for an example, if a, if a game is going, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that. I can't believe that happened, right? And was that because Pete Carroll was still here? Will the former players that played for Pete, will they still be as engaged with whoever the next head coach is? Mm-hmm. Who will that head coach be? Well, how will that connection be? Will it be a, you know what, let's quit talking about yesteryear, which sometimes talking about the X and talking about the past sometimes isn't good as you try to move forward. So there's a just, as we move forward with this, there's a lot of unknown territory that all of us have not been in in 14 seasons. You know, this might be a dumb question, but I have to ask. I still think Pete has a lot to offer. He has a lot of energy. Why not coach somewhere else? Okay, you did just look. I, I, no, like, I, I don't. I, he could. He has the energy to do that. Yeah. And I guess I don't. I guess it would be, what would he want to coach for? Does he want to coach because he wants to keep coaching? I'm sure it's not about money at this point. I mean, he's made you know tons of money. But what does that look like for Pete going somewhere else? I don't know. Maybe legacy, maybe staying here connected with the Seahawks organization. Because when it's all said and done, when a statue is made of Pete, where will that statue reside? It will be in Seattle. Yeah. His best work has been in this city. So I don't know. Maybe he can go somewhere else and go and try to do all this. Or he can just, man, bruh, enjoy retirement. Yeah. Let Seattle take care of you. Go up to that local diner and you get free steak and eggs every morning. <laughs> you know, here's the other thing I'd like to bring up is is, is about culture. Yes. You know, um, Dave Ross had a commentary talking about the culture. Uh-huh. And I do think... Um, and at least from the years that I was covering it, there was something notable about the culture within the Seahawks organization compared to many other NFL organizations. It yeah. stood out for having a good culture. Yeah. And then we're hearing that something went awry, yeah. like something happened. Yeah. And I'd love to dive deeper I, into that at I, some point here on this show. You know what? That's a great question. And that's a great comment to talk about because I talk a lot about culture. I had an ex-player yesterday on the phone and said, G, shut up with that culture. It's about winning. If you ain't winning, ain't nobody talking about your culture. If you're losing, you don't have culture. But when you're winning, all of a sudden you got culture. And so I I listened to that. I was just like, oh, I guess that's kind of a good point. He said, (laughs) well, when does anybody talk about an NFL team? That's losing all the time. And they want to know about their culture. But you want to know about their culture. But my point, okay. Well, you know, we're, we're going to have, you said, Jermaine and Doug yeah, on later. Ask Jermaine so we'll, about culture. Let's talk about that. For yeah. now, we want to, something impacting all of us. Yes. Let's do it. It's the weather. Yes. Well, I was wondering, what's going to fall from the sky tonight, tomorrow, into the weekend? Mm-hmm. Will our plans have to change? So, for that information, we want to check in with Cairo Radio meteorologist, Ted Beener. Hello there, Ted. Good morning. How are you? I am fine. I just got back from the gym. I'm all energized like G. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, that then I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you're the man of the hour. What can you tell us? I We know that, gosh, with the terrain here, it can be so difficult to predict precisely what will happen. But what do you know for sure? 
Well, I can tell you this. The big story is how much colder we're going to get starting today all the way through this coming weekend. I'm going to give you a statistic here that's going to jump or really support that. Up in Sumas, which is in the northern part of Whatcom County, the northeast wind coming out of the Fraser has started. The temperature has gone from 37 to 28 degrees. And that is the kind of colder air that is going to be pouring in through the rest of western Washington during the course of today and tonight. And with that push of colder air, we still got, you know, you see the clouds outside right now. We've got moisture hanging around. That colder air is going to mix with that uh, moisture, and we're probably going to see bands of light snow working its way from north to south through western Washington as the day wears on, down on towards Portland by the time we get later on tonight. And with that, people are asking, well, okay, how much snow is going to fall? Well, it might be a skiff or you know a dusting here and there. Other places might get two inches or so. Uh, and then we're going to go right into what is into a deep freeze. So the roadways, we were talking about this yesterday, they are likely going to be icy. Now, road crews are out prepping the roads, but that's primarily, you know, the interstates, the main highways, main thoroughfares, not the side streets. So, Ted, so let me just stop it, you for one moment, because I just want to clarify yeah. something. In terms of commuting, for those who are going to be commuting this afternoon, picking up folks from school or heading home from work, whatever it may be, do you anticipate some snow when when we're in the middle of rush hour, or do you think it's going to be later? Uh, if, with regards to the threat of snow for that time period, it will be primarily the northern part of the Seattle area, north up into Snohomish, Skagit, Island County, north part of Kitsap County, that area. By the time we get on deeper into the commute, so we're talking five, six, that whole scenario is going to be working its way south through the central Puget Sound region. And so, yeah. And there's another term you may not have heard of. It's called flash freeze. So that moisture on the roads, yeah, it could freeze pretty quickly. So another reason to be better prepared, uh, have traction materials in your car. So you are concerned for the afternoon because, yeah, so you are concerned about this afternoon then in terms of. I am. It it, it won't be widespread. That's first big point to make. But there's going to be enough of it that it will probably be slippery in a lot of different kinds of places and just need to be prepared for it. All right. Thank you so much. We appreciate your insights. We are definitely better prepared. Can I add one more thing yes, on this? Yes, do so, please. The, the threat of snow we had for the southern part of western Washington over the weekend, that system is moving further south into Oregon. So for us, we're just going to be really cold, struggling to reach freezing uh, temperatures, and we're, we may see some sunshine oh, starting tomorrow nice. on all the way through the weekend. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that update. Sure. All right. Thanks, take Ted. care. Next story. Democrats in the House and Senate want to cap rental increases in Washington at 5%. Representative Emily Alvarado says there is an urgent need for the state to step in. Unfortunately, so many people are hurting and suffering from significant rent increases that we must be compelled to act. Landlords would be required to provide six months notice of rental increases and they'd be able to raise the rent as much as they want when a tenant leaves. But Republican leaders aren't on board with this, telling King 5 News that rental increase caps would scare away developers. Here's Representative Drew Stokesbury. 
We shouldn't think small potatoes and worry about capping the rate at which rent can increase. We should think big and figure out ways to incentivize building more housing to actually bring down rents. Mm. What's your reaction to this? Do you like this proposal? Capping at 5%? No, I actually agree with that right there. It will say to to builders out there, oh, that's what y'all doing here in Washington? Okay, let me roll up out of here and let me go somewhere else and go build. One of the things that, look, the problems that we have will not be fixed by different band-aids. Now, on one hand, is like, oh, okay, yes, let's go ahead and, and go ahead and cap the rent right here. Any, no, nothing. I agree with that part, right? If someone's living there, I do think that a tenant should have proper notice of an increase six months before the lease is out. I, no doubt about that. Put that in place. But the truth is, is we do need more housing in this state. One of the biggest problems that we have is a lack thereof. This is something that we have been talking about, I don't know, last five, six years about that discussion, right? So that part of it, I'm just don't think. That's all I'm saying. I read through this. And I always am thinking about this, and I'm always really thinking about people that are having a hard time. I do know this. When people have homes and, and, and all those things, houses, their cost has gone up, too. Mm-hmm. They're paying employees, too. Their employees are asking for raises, too. Right? It's a whole mixed bag. And on another hand, let's not be dumb now. In the last 10 years... Rent has gone up like crazy. People are struggling. It was like nine hundred and something dollars in 2012. Here we are right now. It's like eighteen hundred dollars. It has gone up. So I do kind of agree with that part. We need more housing. But you don't want to cap, put a cap on the increases. Okay, I'm, I'm just, I'm treating you like the debate moderator. Uh, yeah, you're doing like, a good job. Answer the question. Chef, yeah. you got that look in your face. Go ahead. Yeah, I do. I, I'm sorry, but if uh, developers who want to be able to consistently raise the rent 15 to 20 percent year over year are discouraged from building in Washington. I'm all here for it. I have no problem with yeah, this. Yeah, don't this let is, the door hit you. This is not rent control. This is rent stabilization. Hey, man, that tenant moves out. You want to raise the rent from 2000 to $10,000 a month? Go right ahead. You, landlord, can still set your prices. It is just saying you cannot pull the rug out from underneath someone when it takes like $6,000 in savings to move into a new apartment or a new house We have a homelessness crisis, man. This is not profit limiting. All of those properties that landlords own still appreciate year over year. They are still able to make a profit. However, they would just be limited from hosing people. You know, I I feel like I'm in a unique position to speak about it because I've been the tenant and I had someone raise the rent on me by $500 and one fell. So, I mean, it was it hurt. It was awful. And it was wrong. It was just wrong. And now I'm in a position where I am a landlord and I'm actually for capping the rental increases. Instead of 5%, I would likely do 10%. If we did do 5%, gee, would this bring you on board? What if we said there's a caveat that you could raise it more than that if property taxes or something else went up in a way that increased costs. So you could actually file for an exemption. What if we did that? Is there a cap on property taxes? Well, no, I don't, I don't, I think those are are property taxes based on the value of your asset. 
It's based that you can leverage and sell, refinance, etc. But sometimes look. you'll have you'll have um, what do you call those? Uh, I didn't sleep Guys. very well. But basically, you'll have sometimes referendums that will increase property taxes, and so you may be able to file something and say, "Hey, my expenses went up because of this or because of that," and you could file for an exemption to the increase. Yeah. So what what about that? Would that would y'all be for that? Could we find consensus around a cap with an, a potential exemption? I'll take it. You okay. know, you know what this argument feels like. Oh, is it a relationship again? No, 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 <laughs> okay. no, no, no. I'm, I'm being serious because I know that there are people. Sometimes you're probably hearing me, and you're like, "Wait a minute, G, aren't you thinking about those who are having a hard time paying rent?" Actually, I am. I really am. But here's my thing. I feel like there is a steak dinner. That has been prepared. Steak, lobster, crab, all these great things. Meanwhile, over here, there's tater tots, corn dogs, hot dogs, and bologna. And we are supposed to argue about how this is distributed. When the main thing is, is like, hey, can we just have some of that? I'm just saying, can we just have more homes built here. We just need more of that because if you have more of that, these things that we're arguing about, we won't argue as much because the landlord is going to be like, hey, I actually have to be competitive because there's more housing. But we have not had more housing since the recession in 2009. I think that's an excellent argument. And what I'm saying is that I think what Chef and I are saying is I think we could do both. I think we can do both. I do not think that this is going to discourage developers from coming in. Um, They'll still have choice. And if we kind of lobby our legislators to include that exemption, I think we'll win. Okay. You're like... (laughs) No, no, no. I'm not not, not saying you guys are wrong. I think what you guys have said, thank you. I'm thinking what you're saying. And I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. Right. But at this point, I'm exhausted of having this conversation because I know why we continue to have the conversation because of the lack of housing in this state. That's all. I'm just talking about that. Y'all yeah. talk about that, and I'm, yeah. I don't disagree with you. Okay. Coming up next, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis had a debate. And it was good. Angela <laughs> loved everything that Nikki Haley had to say until this. We'll tell you that next. Jen Ursula with Angela Poe Russell. Is the G and Ursula show. And by the way, love you guys' text messages coming in. Boy, a lot about the cap on rent increases. That has been a good discussion. Angela Paul Russell is in for Ursula the rest of the week. Ursula will be back on Tuesday. America is aging and facing a retirement crisis. By 2030, baby boomers, the largest generation ever to retire, will all be over the age of 65, and a lot of older Americans aren't prepared. Check this out. 44% of Americans aged 55 to 64 have nothing saved for retirement. 30% of them 
make less than $27,000 a year. At the same time, Social Security, the only fallback for seniors in retirement, faces an uncertain future. At CNN Town Hall last night, Ron DeSantis promised he would not raise the age Americans are eligible for Social Security. But Nikki Haley says it's time to face the facts. Governor Haley, you want to raise the retirement age for younger Americans, but you have not said what that age should be. Should voters in their 20s plan on working until they're 70? First of all, he hasn't answered the fact that he voted to raise the retirement age to 73 different times. He can call me whatever name and be demeaning as much as he wants. It doesn't change the fact that Ron's lying because Ron's losing. Everybody in the country sees it for what it is. So what I'll tell you is, yes, we're going to take on, we're going to be responsible with it. I said it's too low if we're going to look at those in their 20s. We have to go and start looking at what we can do to get out of this. We want to make sure that everybody who was promised gets it. But we also want to make sure our kids have something when they get it, too. Okay, before we get into this, Chris Christie, as you guys know, bowed out of the GOP presidential race in... Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy didn't qualify for the latest debate stage. So it was just the two of them. Uh, Angela, I'm really curious to hear what you have to say because you were in just oh, the debate last was night. good. Oh, okay. yeah, the debate was good. I enjoyed watching it. And then, you know, everything's going well. Then all of a sudden, wait, wait a minute. Someone actually has the audacity to talk about raising the retirement age. And, you know, you made a point. We were talking on the phone earlier. You were at, well, maybe it was your chef. Can't recall. But made the point that, well, the folks in her 20s may not be her base. But regardless, I mean, I think that's a question I'd love for our listeners are you okay with folks in their 20s? We have some agreement that, hey, you're going to not get your Social Security until, you know, 70 years old. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. So for me, I'm not a big fan of it. You know, I have two daughters. I think that life, ex- not I think, we've actually seen life expectancy go down recently. We have. And so having a father who died in his early 60s, I want them to be able to enjoy life at some point. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that that was a that was a deal breaker for me. I, I, so coming into this morning, I don't know if I've ever asked really the text line about you, you all's thoughts and those that listen to the show all the time. Like, where are you at with this? Do you agree that the retirement age should be lifted? It should go up. And I just wonder about that. So you guys can text us 888-973-5476. And I'm with you on that. Wait, what? raise? No, that's not what I want to see happen. Now, I know this whole idea, like you said, statistically right now, life expectancy rates because, I mean, what we've gone through the last couple years, COVID and everything, you go look at the experts, it has gone down uh, lately. However, a lot of people are saying, yeah, but a lot of people are in shape better and everything like that. Yeah, we do have a lot of people that are in shape, but like you said, life expectancy is going down, and I would like to see don't touch it. Don't leave it alone. When we were younger, growing up, do you remember? Do you remember um, it was talked about like, hey, just so you know, when you get older, Social Security might not be there for you. Oh, yeah. So let me just speak for myself. I always have had it in my mind because of those conversations, not just with teachers, not just with adults, not just with my parents. That's just always what it has been, that Social Security would most likely run out, right? And so I always thought, 
I'm I'm rocking this work thing till the wheels fall off. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm not thinking about. I mean, I am thinking about retirement, but I'm not really just set on. Okay, at this age, I do I do want to say that everybody that does say, you know what, when I turn sixty, this or when I turn fifty eight or when I turn sixty nine, I'm going to be retiring. I don't have an age. I'm going to keep going. Okay, well, okay, you're working, but let's talk about the money you accumulate. Because here's, wait, let's, we don't often get to ask people out their money, but this report did give us some insight, right? Yes. And Chef, I want you to weigh in on this too, because Ooh, I want to yeah. talk about how much people have saved. So this article, or the Fed survey, is saying half of Americans say they have let, this is between the ages of 65 and 74, they have less than $410,000. The median retirement account for that age group has only $200,000, which we know is not enough to to live until you die in many cases, unless you own your home outright, that kind of thing. So what happens? So they talk about the sandwich generation. People like you and me, we may have to take care of our parents because they don't have enough money and savings. They don't have enough money to make it. Right. So we're taking care of our parents and we're taking care of our kids. So what happened? I mean, what happened that this generation was not able to have enough money to make it through retirement? Was it the pensions went away? Was it <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, I'm just I'm asking for I theories mean, I, here. I, I think that it's a multiple. Multiple things, things, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. The pension is gone. Like, remember that? By the way, if, you, if you're if sitting there getting a pension, I remember my mom used to say, oh, mm, I, I, I'm so glad I'm going to get my pension. I ain't never going to get with a man that ain't got a pension. And I used to, I didn't understand that. <laughs> I didn't understand that growing up. And then I found out, like, oh, I get it. You get to have someone with a pension. So you don't have those things anymore. Um, I just think that the cost of living and how we are spending, that's kind of gone away. Uh, a lot of us have probably had to tap into 401ks because whether you're trying to pay off debt or student loans or help out this or help out parents, Chef, we talk about it all the time in this country, we do an awful job with our senior population. We do. And I, I think there's also a lot of uh, a lot of older people that have prioritized their kids, you know, uh, putting money away for their kids in college. You know, I got to pay $100,000 for oh, two kids see? to go through school and I'm going to take care of them before my retirement. Ooh. What do I do? I hope they can take care of me. And there's a lot of folks in my generation and younger that are going to be taking care of their parents because there's there's nothing left. And the idea that You'd be taking care of your parents. You won't be able to retire into your se- until your seventies. I I don't know. It just, it seems fundamentally unfair and broken. And I we should you remove the cap on yeah. Social Security and stop giving it to rich people because they don't freaking need it. You know that was one of the proposals in the debate last night from Nikki Haley was that the way we kind of save it in terms of being financially sound is that over a certain income you don't get the Social Security. It, over one hundred sixty eight thousand. If you make over that, they stop taxing everything. After 168. So once you get to be super rich, we don't tax you anymore, but you still get to collect based on those earnings. What a great system. <laughs> Since we talk about. <laughs> no. Oh, wait. No. no I, I got to tell y'all. Okay, do it. So, my father's brother, and I hope, I, I hope none of my. Oh, no. Sometimes in the family, man, like, I see here. How in Washington, how hard it is for our senior population to live, right? And then I'm reminded in other states that there are some that's living the good life. 
right? Like, and you're like, well, how did you? But you weren't working, and you were still able to get that check guaranteed every month, and still have enough to spend. Whereas here, you see senior living at like four plus thousand dollars, and it's crazy. No, so- my grandmother is in a beautiful facility that is paid for. And yes, and, and Louisiana takes care of their seniors. I just want to say, living in the state of Washington, whether you're a senior, whether you're a boomer, whether you are a Gen Z, if you are not making any decent money or have any decent money, this is not the state to be in. He said it. Chris Sullivan joins us next to teach us how to drive. Gene Ursula. Good morning. Angela Poe Russell is in for Ursula all week long. 10 o'clock story time with Super Bowl champion Jermaine Curse will join the show. We'll ask him his fondest memory of playing for Coach Pete Carroll, and we'll ask him about the future of the Seahawks. We do that at 10 o'clock. But right now, in to join us. Anytime there's anything traffic-related, we call on Chris Sullivan. Sully, good morning to you, sir. And I can tell you what Jermaine Curse's favorite thing is with Pete Carroll. What is it? Is when I was on his uh, GoPro on his chest at the Super Bowl in New York at Media Day when I walked up and interviewed Jermaine. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm on his. I'm on the video that he made of of Media Day. Oh, okay. I went up and, I, so yeah, I'm sure Curse would totally remember that. <laughs> yeah, but he was. I mean, he had it right around his chest. It was pretty. It was pretty cool. So, Sully. Some would say that us having you on to talk about this topic, they'd be like, oh, whatever, snooze fest. But then others would say, yes, this is a good thing because some of y'all can't drive. That's true. Can you explain how to drive in the snow? Well, yeah. And again, I know everyone's rolling their eyes. They all think they're much better drivers than they are, myself included. Uh, But just a couple things to remind, because people can live here their whole lives and never go up over a pass. You know, maybe they're not snow people. Maybe they head to the coast, right? They're different. And so when it gets down here in the lowlands, one, you may not have a four-wheel drive, and two, you just may not be very familiar. So the first thing is, if you're not comfortable in the snow, don't drive in it. Yeah, especially with our remote options these days, you can work from home if you want to take a day. But the number one thing is, as a reminder for everybody, is speed. Speed is the killer. No matter above all else, speed is the killer. One, because you can lose control faster. And then it also limits the amount of time you have to react mm-hmm. and maybe dig yourself out of a skid or a slide. Mm-hmm. So it, re- it reduces that ability to then maybe recover. Okay, so speed is number one. And with speed kind of comes overconfidence, not only in your ability, but in your vehicle's ability. I count more times than not. It's a larger pickup truck, not like G's old one, because he would never have taken that out in the snow. Uh, but we can talk about that later. Or, you know, a bigger SUV, because you get confidence. Like, well, I got four-wheel drive. I got all-wheel drive. It's all good. And I have all these gadgets yeah, that it's, tell it's, me you know, I can It's all good. I can turn right. my thing into this, and I can press the, you know, we're gonna, we got so, four-wheel drive is great mm-hmm. for traction. Don't doesn't do anything when your brakes lock up. As a state trooper once told me, he goes, you can have 18-wheel drive, and it will not matter on the snow and the ice. If you lose it on that, it doesn't help you stop in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. It helps you get traction. 
No, yeah. I, I listen. I the last time it was was it last Christmas, not this past one, but the one before when we had that big ice thing. We were frozen over for several days. Oh, yeah. I you know I'm in an all wheel drive, got my SUV, have my traction thing, and I just went down a hill into a major road. And thank God there was not a car coming on that major road because I could not stop. I get it. So oh, go I'm ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no you good. I just want to say, Sully. Uh, it's probably been like, I think you were on Cairo Nights a long time ago with me. And one of the things you said still stand true to me. What is that? The safest driving that you can do is to just, if you can, not drive at all. Yeah. That is that is what I subscribe to. Because I, I think that there, for me personally, I'm from Chicago. And people that are from the Midwest and people that are from places where it snows, they get here to Seattle and they try to make fun of people in Seattle and say, oh, you guys think this is snow? Oh, this is nothing. Oh, where I'm from, these things. And I used to be that person. Until I see how real it gets in the angel of the story you just told, until you're just doing your own little thing, simple, not doing anything wrong, and all of a sudden you slide off the earth. <laughs> and we have a different kind of snow. <laughs> That's the thing. Our snow is so full of water, it's thick because it doesn't fall through the super cold, unlike what we're going to have the next couple. You go to the Midwest, it falls in smaller granules, and it almost compresses itself in a different way. You get it here, and it bags it. It's so water full of water that it grabs your tires and can move you around much more differently than Midwest snow and East Coast snow, which I've driven in. And so, yeah, it's a different type of snow, too. So you have to get used to that. Just let me share. I know we're short on time, but a couple of just other quick Please. you know, yes. tips. Yes. Uh, number one, this helped me from getting in a crash one day. A person had told me uh, a long time ago when I was learning how to drive in the snow is look where you want to go. And that may seem stupid. Of course, I'm going to. But if you're in a slide and you start going, oh, my God, I'm going to hit that car. I'm going to hit that car. Where are you looking? I'm going to hit that. No, don't look at what you're going to hit. Look at where you want to go. Your body and your mind will start trying to help you correct away from where mm. you look, what you want to hit or what you might hit. Because we all get nervous when we start fishtailing or whatever. So you're like, no, don't look at what you're going to hit. Look at where you want to go. Look at where you want to go and help direct the car there. That'll just add one more little piece to your mind and your, you know, the muscle memory and everything mm. to help you get where you need to go. Okay, that sounds like a metaphor for life, too. No, I, I tend to not look at your obstacle. Don't look at your obstacle. Or don't look at where you want to go. Or don't worry about Sally. things that are out of your control. Uh, you look look over there where you want to go. Sally, you, you, you start to get deep with it these days, yeah. huh, bro? Yeah, that would save my butt in a big way down in Portland. I almost hit a bus parked on the side of the road. That was not a good day. All right, what do you got going on the rest of the day? Uh, Got to hit the gym. Maybe okay. a little workout with Tommy before he heads back to so school. So let me get this straight. You're hitting the gym today. Ted Beater hit the gym this morning. What's going on around here? Well, in the traffic department, in the what traffic weather department? Yeah, yeah. We got to stay swole, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the way it is. Mickey doesn't skip leg day, and neither does Nate Connors. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> the, 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 the traffic and weather department is all good. Hey, thank you, Sully. Appreciate you. Hey, coming up is story time. Super Bowl champion Jermaine Curse is going to join the show. We look forward to that. You got Angela Paul Russell hanging out here on the Gene Urso Show. You guys are listening to the Gene Urso Show.